You know, when I was thinking about uh, this sermon, um, I wanted to bring along a picture with me. So I've got a picture, and I want to show you this picture. should be familiar to you guys. Who knows what that is? The Taj Mahal. It is the Taj Mahal. This building is a monument. It was commissioned in 1629 um, by Shah Jahan. He's a ruler of India at the time. And what had happened is his favorite wife had passed away. <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean to, I'm saying favorite wife. I mean, how, how many did you have? I thought we just had to have one wife. But anyway, he had a whole harem, but this was his favorite one. And his favorite wife passed away and he loved her so much. He was in mourning and, and he wanted to build a whole monument just to her. So he had this commissioned uh, in 1629 and he literally lay her casket down in the middle of a piece of land and drew up plans and started to build the building around the casket right there. Now this building took, I mean look at it, I mean it's majestic, this building took 17 years to complete. And what happened is, uh, years later, as the construction started around the casket, what happened is, years later, um, the focus started to change. And now, the grief of his dear favorite wife uh, started to wane, and now he's just looking at this massive project. And a story is told that uh, as he was going to survey the land or survey the building, uh, that he stumbled over a wooden box. And he told his foreman, he says, how, how are you guys so messy just leaving boxes around here? Pick this thing up and get it thrown away. <laughs> and it's only months later that he realized that that was the casket of his wife. See, the original purpose of the entire building was to be a monument for his wife. And the purpose became lost in the details of the construction so I want to say, listen, we often sometimes say that God has plans for you. God has a purpose for you. And we are correct in saying that you are not just random creatures. You're not just a random uh, a speck and then you grew into this molecule. No, no, God does have plans for your life. Who agrees with that in this place? Come on now. You are here. You have a purpose you have a plan and sometimes we can get misguided and we start to move and we start to lose the purpose in the construction of life. And I want to kind of build this sermon around one simple sentence and it says your purpose is in God's plan. Amen. God bless you. That's making a noise. Amen. Amen. All right. Your purpose is in God's plan, but it's shaped right here in the present. And I want to preach a sermon of entitled uh, The Future Hope out of Jeremiah 29, verse number 11. Very, 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 very familiar fourth portion of scripture. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a, a future and a hope. You know, I picked up a quote that was, uh, uh, you know, ascribed to many different people. We had it ascribed to Mark Twain. He was an American white writer. We also had it uh, ascribed to uh, William Barclay, who was a Scottish uh, uh, Bible theologian. Uh, you know, many people said that they claimed to this quote, but the quote says that there are two most important days in your life. Uh, the day that you were born and then the day you discover why. 
Because we are born for a reason. There is a purpose to our existence. We're not just here random by chance. There is a design. And I want to kind of unpack that today and think about that out of this scripture we just read in Jeremiah. And I want to look first with you about the creator's cognitive course. You see, in our scripture, it says, I know the thoughts that I think. This is God speaking. I know the thoughts that I think. You know, in the early 1600s, there, is a, there was a French philosopher. His name was Rene Descartes, who coined the Latin phrase, cogito ergo sum, which means, I think, therefore, I am. And what he's saying is that this is the philosophy or philosophy of existence. In other words, he's pointing out to the fact that people used to doubt their existence. And what he's saying that if you're able to think or even doubt, then that is proof that you exist. That's what he's saying. That's his whole point. And I want to say that. I want to kind of say that to what God is saying. Also, we say he thinks, therefore he is. And that shouldn't surprise us because that's how God literally describes himself. Listen, when he went to Moses, he was speaking to Moses in the burning bush. He says this, I want you to deliver my people from bondage. He gives him this massive task, this massive mandate. And of course, we know the story. Moses come to him and said, listen, what if they don't believe me? Who shall I say sent me? And Exodus 3 in verse number 14, this is God's reply. And it said, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. And I'm saying that because when God says, I know the thoughts that I think, he's letting you know he's distinguishing himself from from any other God right there. He's distinguishing himself. He's saying, listen, I think, therefore I am. And we know that to be his name. When he thinks, he's saying, listen, I am eternal. Because we understand that other gods in this world don't have that capability or that capacity. Look what the psalmist says in Psalms 115. Verse number four to seven, the Bible says, Idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. We're talking about a living God, the living God, the creator of the universe. God has thoughts. God is thinking. God is active. And we're not just saying, listen, he has thoughts just like us. We know that Isaiah says that his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways because his thoughts are higher than us. So yes, he has thoughts, but he has supernatural thoughts. His thoughts are way above the way we think. We can't comprehend them. His thoughts are not known to us, but we, can com- we can't com- contemplate his thoughts, but he knows them. The Bible says in our text, in verse number 11, it says, I know the thoughts that I think. God is a thinker. God is cognitive. God is a, a, a supernatural existence. And that is great enough. But what I want to kind of focus on here is that it says, for I know the thoughts I think toward you. Now, when we read that, when we understand that, it boggles the mind that the God of the universe, the one that created everything you see, everything that we interact with, the great I am, he has thoughts and the thoughts are of you. 
He says, I am thinking of you. Listen, with all your flaws and all your failures and all your shortcomings, God has enough time to spare a thought for you. He has enough time to think about you, think about uh, what makes you tick, think about how can you function. He has enough time to say, I want to think about you. When people spare a thought for you, it feels like it gives you value. He says, man, you're thinking about me? You know, one of the things that uh, I, I used to do when I was dating, come on now, <laughs> come on. We married 14 years in July, coming up it'll be a blessing. But I remember one of the things I used to do when I was dating, uh, I used to send text messages, not asking any questions, just saying, hey, thinking of you. <laughs> come on now, come on, all right, come on. <laughs> yeah, man, if you're trying to date here, if you're trying to take that note down, come on, put that note down, come on. Because what that does is, that let, my, that let my, my, my now wife, it let her know that whatever I was doing when I was working, when I was this, she was on my mind. Come on. It let her know that she has value. That in this space in my brain, I've got so many things I've got to think about, so many things I'm responsible for, but she's in there as well. And this is what God is saying. He says, I have thoughts towards you. God has to run the universe. Come on. God has to take care of over 7 billion people. And he's saying, you, brother, you, sister, I'm thinking of you. You're in my mind. I have a plan for you. You're there, right there. I'm thinking of you. I remember a time I was, uh, uh, you know, we all my, me and my brothers, I've got uh, three older brothers. I'm the youngest of four. We all went to the same primary school. And there's, there's big gaps between me, the youngest, and the oldest. I think it's about uh, 11 years between me. But we all went to the same primary school. Uh, um, and this particular head teacher at a primary school, he saw my parents. This is years after we've, we've, we've left the school. You you know, I'm, I'm a grown man married with kids. He saw my parents in a shopping in Sainsbury's, I believe it was. And he came to my parents and said, oh, how is Peter? Named me by name. I was like, man, the head teacher is thinking of me. Give me some value. That's just the head teacher. How about the head of the universe? Come on now. Knows you by name, says, how are you doing, my brother? Come on, how are you doing, my sister? You are on his mind. He's thinking about you. How much more can you be valued by the one that has to run the universe? The psalmist said in Psalm 8, 3 and verse 4, says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, verse number 4 said, What is man that you are mindful of him? That you take a moment to say, how's my brother doing? How's my sister doing today? Come on, you have to understand what he is saying when God says, I know the thoughts I have, thoughts of you. And our text goes a little bit deeper here because the text says, I know the thoughts uh, that I think, not of you, it says towards you. He said, there's a slight difference there because me saying I'm thinking of you is nice. Listen, if somebody's thinking of you, that's nice. They're seeking knowledge about your well-being. Like, how are you doing? I'm thinking of you. How are you doing? That's good. But our scripture says the thoughts that I have towards you. 
In other words, the thinking is not just a, a passive, it is active. He doesn't want just knowledge of your well-being. He has plans to make sure you are well. He's thinking towards you. His thoughts are directed to you. Other translations read this same scripture is, I know the plans I have for you. So now he's not just thinking of you. Now he's planning, he's plotting. How can I make things well for my sister? Come on now. How can I make things well for my brother, my son, my daughter? He's thinking of you. He's planning things towards you. And this is where you should get a little bit excited this morning. Because not only is God, the creator of the universe, thinking of your well-being. He is moving heaven and earth to ensure that you have a future and a hope. He is ordaining things to come to pass so that when it all works together in the process of time, you are going to have a future and a hope. He's up there saying, you know what, I need to move this person or move this place. Give him favor here, open doors here so that they can have a future. He has thoughts and plans for you of peace, not of evil, the Bible says, to give you that future and of hope. Your purpose is in God's plan. That filled me with just just joy when I woke up this morning thinking about this psalm. I'm thinking, man, God, you are planning my destiny. Come on, the one that, that, that put everything together has got a blueprint for your life. He knows the end from the beginning, the Bible says. He knows how this is going to play out and he's there constructing the plan of your life. I want to look secondly at the discipline dynamic. You see, because this scripture is often quoted today. You know, when I read the scripture, even when I said Jeremiah 29 verse 11, those of you would have known what scripture I would have read before I even read it. Because it's one of those scriptures. eh? But it's often quoted uh, overlooking who the words are actually being spoken to. And what was going on at the time, what's overlooked often is that these words were spoken to a people who were actually being punished by God. Jeremiah 29 is a letter to the captives in Babylon. These people had been taken away from their land. These people had been pulled away from all that they know to become captives in Babylon. Jeremiah 29 verse number 4, the Bible says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, who I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. God is saying, listen, I did that. I'm the one that caused this. I'm the one that drew you away. You see, the reason I say that is because discipline is part of your future and hope. I know I wouldn't get many amens there, but it's true. Come on now. Discipline is part of your future and hope. Discipline is to do with your future position. Discipline is always in order to kind of align you in the way that you should go. Discipline is something that is healthy if you are going to have a healthy future. I don't know if you guys have been shopping or wherever you are walking around and you see a family and you see a child you know has not had any discipline. Horrible to watch. Horrible sight to watch. You'd be walking in the shopping center. Like, mommy, I want this sweet. 
No. I want this sweet. Start swearing and stuff like that, rolling on the floor, kicking things off, and the parents are just like, oh, Johnny. <laughs> I'm like, dear Lord, you are raising a criminal. That's what you're doing. Come on, come on, let's be real. That child needs some discipline. That's not how it works around here, my friend. <laughs> My child try to pull that stuff. Listen, it's not, it's not. Anyway, let's skip. Let's skip. You hear me? But you understand, if you see someone that's not been disciplined in the young, by the time they become an adult, nobody's going to rule them. It's better we discipline early by the parents than be disciplined later by the police. Come on. It's better we do that. Listen, you see when a tree is growing, they stake it. They put a stake next to it while it's young and while it's growing up. But because if you don't, it'll go all old and crooked and then you can't do nothing with it. Discipline is good for a healthy future. Sometimes we're going through things in life. We're like, why God? Because God's just trying to put you in line. Come on, come on, come on. Some people are in financial problems because they don't want to honor God. God's like, okay, let me just actually give some selfishness. I need to take that out of you a little bit. I need to prune that off a little bit. Come on. Sometimes God is using situations to keep us in line. But it's not because he hates us. It's not because he has a vendetta against us. The Bible says he has a future and a hope for us. The Bible says the thoughts he has towards us are of peace and not of evil. I love my children. I discipline them. Why? Because I love them. If we don't discipline our children, we don't love them. Will you parents say amen? Come on now. Amen. The psalmist writes in Psalms 119 verse 71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. In the same chapter, a couple of verses before, the Bible says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You know, I'm not meant to be like sadistic or anything here. We know we don't, I don't want to celebrate pain and, you know, and, and, and trouble. But look what the, the writer of Hebrews points out in Hebrews 12, verse number 11. It says, Now no chastening or discipline seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. He goes on to say in in, in 12 and verse number 5 and 6, it says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. He's quoting Proverbs here. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. So as we see this kind of paradox, uh, we're talking about on one hand, God says, uh, listen, I have the thoughts of peace and not of evil. He's talking to a people who are in captivity. Talking to a people who, are, who he has brought out of their land from Jerusalem to Babylon to be ruled. And why? Because he wants to give them a future and a hope. God has a purpose for our lives and his thoughts towards us. He has plans for us. But because he loves us so much, he wants to employ this tool of discipline to bring our lives in line. Listen, some of us would do well if we would just learn the lesson that God's trying to teach us. 
Some of us will do well if we will just seek in our own minds, seek in our heart. Okay, God, what is it you're trying to teach me here? What is it you're trying to show me here? Because the thing is, if you don't learn the lesson, you'll have to go and take the class again. You have to listen. Many of you, for you know, like me in Ghana, many of you uh, from West African country. Uh, you know, in this country, it's kind of different. But in in countries like that, if you don't pass the test, you could be thirty five years old, forty five. You're going to continue taking that until you pass this, until you learn the lesson. You know, here in the UK, we're gracious and stuff. You didn't, you failed. Okay, we'll still just take you through anyway and stuff. But no, 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 no. Some countries, you don't pass the test, you're going to take that again and again and again. Some grown men beard taking some, some small tests because they haven't learned the lesson. You'll be doing well if you'll seek the mind of God and say, God, what is, it we're, what is it we're going through? What is it you're trying to teach me here? And we can do that knowing that he is not trying to uh, force us down away because he hates us. He wants to cause us pain. No, the Bible says the thoughts that you have are of peace and not of evil. Peace, not of evil. We understand that Lord or the Lord disciplines those he loves. I want to look thirdly with you at the future fusion. You see, there is a, a cooperation with God that is needed. See, because he has the thoughts and the plans and the ideas. He has the ability and the resources and he wants a cooperation from you so that destiny can unfold in your life. He wants you to cooperate. He wants you to go down a certain way. He wants you to go so that destiny can be unfolded in your life. It was Jeremiah, he said to him himself, he said, listen, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I had it all laid out for you already. I just need you to cooperate. I just need you to come on board. This is where we're going. This is what I want you to do. I've got the plan. I've had it from day one. Just need you to jump on board with it. And as you go through the Bible, you see many, many characters or many, many people that have this dynamic in their life. Listen, Joseph was set apart from the very beginning when he had that dream. He just said, I need you to jump on board with this. Get in line with this. And then when he finally did, he yielded. Then he became the prime minister. Of, of Egypt. We understand Moses, uh, the deliverer of the children of Israel. Uh, Jesus said, uh, sorry, the, uh, God said to him, listen, I want you to do this at first. He said, listen, I can't speak. Uh, choose somebody else. He's like, no, I need you to come on board with that. And as he did, as he cooperated with God, uh, we, sit, we know the story. Gideon, a mighty man of valor, the Bible calls him. Uh, he was saying, no, it's not me. I'm the least in my house. We're the least in the children of Israel. But when he cooperated, listen, God used him for power powerful victory. We see David, the king of Israel, again when he cooperated, he slayed giants. Jesus came to the disciples and said, I want to make you fishes of men. This is my plan for you. And as they yielded to the plan of Jesus Christ, they turned the world upside down. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. But many times we're saying, God, I have these plans. Can you bless them? Come on, who's ever done that? Come on, let's be real. This is what I want to do. And I need you to bless my plans. We would do well to say, God, yes, I have these plans, but let me put that to the side. What is it you want me to do? Where is it you want me to go? 
Should I move here? Should I go here? Should I do this? Should I have this? Lord, because I understand I don't even know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. But you know, you see the bigger picture, the larger picture. So I'm going to yield myself to you. I'm going to trust that the plans that you have are indeed of peace and to give me a future and a hope. So I give you my life. I surrender it all to you and I cooperate. And as we cooperate with God, destiny unfolds. God is the one that has the plans. He has the abilities, the resource. He just needs you to jump on for the ride. Think about that. God designed the universe and he created mankind. He didn't just leave it to just go and just do what you're doing. No, no, no. All over seven billion of us. He's got a filing cabinet with plans for each and every one of us. Think about that. He took time to say, you know what, my brother, you're going to do this. My sister, you're going to do this. And you're going to do this. You're going to do this. And it all aligns into his master plan. Oh, to see his will and his purposes fulfilled. We need to say, if I'm going to have a future and a hope, I'm going to yield to the master builder. I'm going to yield to the architect and say, God, here is my life. Do what you want to do with it. Because I trust that the thoughts, like you said, you have for me are of peace and not of evil. God, I give you my life. I surrender it to you and I give you everything. Listen, we need to understand that God has the best possible plan for our lives. You know, one of the things I, I, I found funny is that when I got saved, I had this terrible kind of thought that God, all he wanted to do was make my life miserable. <laughs> I don't know why I had this, this, this weird thought. I was like, listen, I don't want to go and be a missionary. You're just going to send me to some, some rainforest. I'm going to have some miserable life trying to minister to people that don't want to hear the gospel. I don't want to do it. But it's only as I start to get more mature in the faith that I realize the safest place for me, the most prosperous place for me, the, 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 the most fun adventure I'll ever have is right in the center of God's will. Right in the middle of God's will. Because he made me, he created me, he, he gave me the giftings. And so he knows where I would flourish. He knows where I would function best. And as I began to release myself and say, God, okay, here I am. My life just went on a trajectory. Not because I'm special. Not because I'm the one that know, I know how to move and shake and so on. No, because he had the plans. He had the resources. I just stepped into line and in cooperation with God. This morning, God is speaking to somebody today. Saying, stop fighting me. Stop fighting me. I want the best for you, my child. You know when God gives you, just a quick side note for all the parents in here. You know when God gives you children? You get a a, a, a better revelation of the Father in heaven. Sometimes my kids, God bless them, they fight against my will in my house as, as the kingdom of my... No, I, don't, I don't rule like a, a dictator. I'm a, well, I'm, I'm a gentle dictator. Come on now. So sometimes they, they, they fight against my, my will in my house. I'm like, if only you knew... Listen, I want the best for you. 
I want better than you want for yourself. I'm doing this to protect you. No, you're not going to go there. No, you're not going to watch that. You're not going to, because I want to protect you. Come on. You may not understand right now, but I can see I've been where you, where you, where you are. I know what that means. So I want you to go down this road. Sometimes they're fighting against it. It breaks my heart because I'm thinking, you can't see. If I was to just let you go and do whatever you wanted to do, disaster. And I said to him, I've got this patch. You can ask them when they come down. You go find them, ask them. I said, listen, when you're there in your dental practice as a dentist or wherever you are, <laughs> they've only got a few choices. I'm going to choose. Anyway, they've got a few choices. <laughs> All I want you to do is when you're older, I just want you to write a letter to me, wherever you are in the world. Dear Dad, Thank you. God bless you. And that's it. That's all I want. I don't want no money. I don't want that. Because it's only when you get older, you look back at your life, you realize, oh, you was protecting me. You was guiding me. And this is just me, a sinful father on earth. How much more the father in heaven? Sometimes we be fighting against God. Or is that just me? <laughs> don't put your hand up. I know it's you as well. Come on. <laughs> Sometimes you're fighting against God. God, I want to do this. I want to go here. I want to do this. I'm going to marry that person. Whether you, I know he's not right for me. I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to go to this place. I'm going to, I'm, hey, hey, come on. Did I touch a nerve there? Come on. God wants the best for you. And I've seen it. You know, I've, I've not been around that long, but I've been around. I've seen people make decisions against the will of God. And only just a couple of years later, you just see it unfold in their life. You're thinking, you didn't have to go down that road. You didn't have to do, oh, I love him. Yeah, but <laughs> you didn't have to do that. Your life didn't have to end up that way. But despite our nonsense, despite our foolish decisions, God is able to redeem our lives still. And that's what the whole message of the gospel is. Because from the very beginning, God wanted the best. When he placed us in the Garden of Eden, he just wanted the best for us. But he knew we would mess up. So he said, listen, I've still got plans for you. I know you're going to mess up, so I'm going to plan something for you. I'm going to plan that I'm going to leave majesty. I'm going to come down so that when you mess up through Jesus Christ, you can come back home. Come on now. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, you can be redeemed. And you can see that I'm going to take all the suffering on my shoulders and realize that from day one, I've had your best interests at heart and I still have your best interests at heart. That's why he sent his only begotten son because the plans he has and has always had is for peace to give us a future and a hope. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. He says, I have come to preach to those that, those that are lost, that blind eyes can be opened. I've come to preach. That's why he's called the Prince of Peace. That's what he came to do to fulfill this because God's plans for our lives have always been to give us a peace, not evil, for a future and a hope. Jesus Christ came to do that and he fulfilled that. So the message to you today
today, this morning. Listen, stop fighting against God. Whatever that means in your life right now, I believe God is speaking to you. Stop resisting against what God wants to do for you because he's not trying to put you in a place of of restriction, of poverty. He's not trying to put you in a place of, of disillusionment. No, he's trying to give you the future and the hope that he promised you from the day he created the universe. Will you not let the creator of the universe guide you into eternity, guide you into all that he has for you so that you can be blessed, you can live the life, the purpose that God has for you. How many believe that God has a purpose and a plan for their life in this place? Come on now. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Specific plan and purpose for you. Yield to God and let's get that future and I hope. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place. The future hope.